Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. Today's message is radical, it's confronting, and it's going to take a little bit of work for you to, to think about. And I don't apologize for that, but I do want to preempt that that's the space we're stepping into. I also want to say that we are looking at the series of Acts, but the passage that we're looking at today, I'm actually going to use at the end of the message, after I've shared some ideas that I want you to think and wrestle with, as an example, as an example of what I'm trying to say. So you might realise that... uh, that you go, well, how does this fit in with Acts and where we, where we are and where we're going? It, we will get back to that as an example at the end, just to unpack this idea that I want to share today. If you were going for your driver's license, what would you be expecting as the result? You get your driver's license, absolutely. What about a job interview? What would you go into the job interview hoping? You get the job. What about if you're ordering a meal at a restaurant? What's your expectation there? (laughs) Not to get food poisoning? poisoning. Imagine your bar's a little higher than that. (laughs) Yeah, to enjoy the food, to actually have something that you actually enjoy. What about if you're visiting a friend at hospital? What's your expectation going in? You'd encourage them. You maybe distract them from the the pain that they're in, um, remind them that there's people around that care for them. There's a number of things that you you go in expecting that that will happen. What about when you come to church? What do you you walk in hoping for or expecting? To meet with God. God? Come on, spit it out. Who laughed? Okay. To give to others. Yep. Yep. Meet people, connect with people. Yep, absolutely. What do you think about the phrase, expecting good outcomes is a positive way of thinking? What do you think about that phrase? Yeah, cool. What about success is measured by achieving good results? Not always. Uh, Maybe. Uh. What about... A fulfilling life is one in which you achieve your goals and aspirations. Mm, Not always. Today I want us to have the framework of Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Because there is a battle going on in this room. And, and even in our answers, it's fascinating. In the conversations I've had this morning with people, there's some things that is actually a place of battle. There's a place of challenge. Because we are fixated on good results. We are absolutely consumed by pursuing and focusing on good outcomes. 
We want good results for, an, for us as an individual or other individuals. We want a good result for society. We want good results for the community. We want good results for the environment. We want good results for the economy. We are fixated on good results. But our fixation on good results affects how we speak, even the answers you just gave to me. Through this lens of good results, what we wear, what we buy, how we spend our time, how we relax, the career that we choose, and even the spouse that we marry. We desperately want good results. And we desperately want to feel like we're a good result too. Psychologists call this thinking a competence or a dominance motive. We're motivated by dominating or being competent. And I'm here to tell you today that this thinking is choking you. It is starving you and it's starving me. It has a massive impact on your sense of self-worth. Do people like me? Do I belong? Am I good enough? You feel embarrassed because of wanting good results. You feel shame because of wanting good results. You have fear because of wanting good results. Fear maybe of what others people think or what they may do. Or fear that you might look stupid. It impacts our understanding and relationship with God. People think that God is distant because of their focus on their good results. People think God is punishing them. People think that God might love other people more than they love them because of this fixation on good results. It can cause breakup of friendships, of families, of marriages, and it can create fear about the future that we don't know is going to be a good result. Being fixated on good results traps us in a helpless, endless cycle of performance without actually ever knowing if it's going to be fruitful or not. Now, I'm going to do a test. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I would like you to answer honestly. So, put your hand up if you have led someone to Christ this week. No? Okay, I'll set the bar a bit lower. Put your hand up if you shared the gospel with somebody this week. No? Okay, maybe one? Now my question for you is, how did it make you feel when I said we were going to have a test? Like you had to win? You felt horrible? Without even doing the test, you already were bound up by wanting a good result and not sure if you could achieve it. Yeah. Some people were trapped before we even started the test. How did it feel when I asked the first question and the second question? Yeah? Did anyone feel guilty? Like they 
like they failed? Like they weren't good enough maybe or that something they, like, this is our good result mindset caused people to be anxious before I even started the test. And it caused people, when I did answer the questions, to feel like they were a failure or they stuffed up or they were ashamed or embarrassed or something went wrong. And can I tell you, the reason that you didn't put your hand up and you didn't share your gospel is probably because you're fixated on good results. If I asked you the question, did you interact with anyone this week that would have valued from hearing about Jesus? Did you interact with anyone? Put your hand up. But there was a barrier, and some people may even start justifying, going, yeah, yeah, but, but my, I was really busy, and, but because of your sense of good results. You don't want to, you, I want to be good, and so I want to give an excuse for why it didn't happen, or, or to justify it, or I was too embarrassed. Or, we are fixated on good results. You know, if God was fixated on good results like we are, we'd all be dead. One thing that he demonstrated with the flood is that the consequence of brokenness and rejecting him is death. And unless he promised not to do the flood again, there would have just been floods every week. They just because if God was like us and fixated on good results. He would have struck us all with lightning by now. Before you get too discouraged, I started by saying that this is radical and confronting. And I'm okay with that. Because there is actually a battle going on between your ears. There's a battle going on for the way the world functions and operates. I started by explaining some very normal things. And Jim's comment to me yesterday was, you do realise that this is how everything rolls. Our whole education system is built on good results. Our whole career system is revolved around good results. Our whole economic system is built around good results. What you're suggesting is contrary to most of the things that we're wired. And I'm saying today, yes, absolutely. God is different to the world. And when we do not conform to the patterns of the world, but are transformed by a renewing of our mind, we're renewing our mind to align ourselves with the way God sees things. And when God operates... He looks through the lens of good possibility. And I've got to explain this, I realise. But every time God is involved in a situation, good possibility is always his first move. You might go, hang on, that's not in the Bible. I've never heard the phrase good possibility in the Bible. Um, what are you talking about? Now, the reason I'm using the phrase good possibility is because the word God uses for it is Love. But the world's even warped the meaning of love to be a whole bunch of other things that the world wants it to be about good results. 
And so even that we've got to reclaim and re-understand in the context of what God means love is. Who knows a passage, and I don't even know the reference, from Corinthians. It says, but these three things remain. Yeah? These three things remain. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Good possibilities, good possibilities, and good possibilities. And the greatest of these is good possibilities. Just think about it. Faith is trusting. Hope is expecting. Love is the outworking. These three things remain. When everything else is taken away, what's left? Good possibility. You could change good with God, right? So good is God, because God's good, right? So, so when I'm talking about good, I'm not just a wishy-washy, what's good for you and what's good for me. We're talking about what's good for God, what's, what's, what's genuinely good. I really want to reclaim this word love. Because when you look at love through the lens of good possibility, like the Bible just comes alive in new ways that is absolutely radical and confronting. Don't dismiss what I'm sharing today as something that you have heard before and is normal. Yes, you've heard it before. It is not normal. There is some radical things that we have benched as being nice ideas when they are the centre and the focus and your and my life would be radically different if we embraced this concept of God's love. I want you to check this out. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Right? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. So he's defining love. Jesus is defining love as to give sacrificially and unconditionally. The friends aren't giving him anything back, are they? Because he's giving his life for his friends, right? So there's, he's giving a sacrifice, nothing in return for the good possibility of his friends. Now, the reason I say good possibility is sure there's a result. There's a good result. His friends live at his, his expense. But what is his friends going to do with their life? Are they going to be healthy? Are they going to be prosperous? Are they going to live long? Are they going to even remember him? Are they going to be grateful to him? None of those things are decided at this point. At the point at which this person gives up their life, they are giving up their life with only a good possibility. There is no good outcome guaranteed. Right? So love is doing something with the possibility or the potential of a result, but it's not actually the result that the love is done for. It's done for the possibility. Let me explain this further. Romans 5.8. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. It's not that God doesn't care about good results, 
But good results are the fruit of love, not the reason for love. Because Jesus died when there were no good results in the picture. When we're all rejecting God, rejecting his ways, rejecting his love, rejecting his relationship, rejecting his honour and glory, he loved with the possibility that people might embrace it. It's a very, very different picture. Focusing on good results first versus focusing on good possibility first. You see, you can go from good possibility to good results, which is why Jesus died, because he was hoping for good results. It wasn't that he didn't care. He cares about people knowing him, and that's why he sacrificially gave. But see, you can start from good possibility and end up with good results. You can't start with good results and hope for good possibility. Love doesn't actually come out of good results. Not God's love. Human love does. If you love me, you will do X, Y, Z. Tanya hates that phrase. Because if you give someone a lollipop and they love you in result, it's not actually God's love. It's a warped human idea of love. Let me give you an example of this in my life. When I was a teenager, when I was in year 12, I was interested in getting some some courses in uni that required various application processes. I had to prepare folios, write essays, do tests. There were a bunch of things that I had to do depending on the course. And one of them wanted me to write an essay. And there was one other guy in my school that was applying to similar courses. So I prepared this essay. I gave it to my graphics teacher to, to, to look over and to see if I did a good job. And he corrected a few things and did another draft. Unbeknownst to me, this friend of mine decided to go to my locker, open my locker, take the paper and go and photocopy it. And it was only because another friend mentioned to me that he'd done this that I found out. My natural response was, I'm going to look like a fraud because if two people submit the same essay, we're both going to be look like we're cheating. My friend has let me down and disappointed me and done something very hurtful and betrayed trust, and, and I was in this place fixated on good results, stuck because I had bitterness towards my friend, I had uncertainty towards what the university would think of my essay. I actually approached him and he said, no, 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 I just wanted it as a reference thing, I won't be submitting yours, but now I don't trust him. The university is not going to care. I can't go to them and say, hey, my submission's really mine. Who are you? I don't, we don't know you. I don't care about your little problem you've got at your school with your friend. But you realise my fixation on good results had me completely trapped, had me churned up inside, had me anxious, had me in a broken relationship... 
that I had no way out of. I was trapped. And it took me years to come to terms and actually forgive my friend. Years. This little, little niggling, churning thing stayed with me for years. Now you go, okay, so that's the good results focus, but what's the good possibility? The good possibility is I had a friend who was broken and insecure that felt inadequate and felt like it was worth doing something wrong to get help. What's the possibility for him? What, what's the God possibility for that guy? This is hard because we think, we think sober results oriented. To actually think differently is, is hard work and it took me years to think differently. It's not the end of the world. It's okay. I will still have a future. Someone will still pay me for a job. I still get to study. There's opportunities, even if that university completely rejected me and thought I was a fraud. That's okay. I am still loved. And my friend is still loved in this sense that I want the best good possibility for him. And I believe that God still wants the best good possibility with me, even though it's a yucky broken picture and it was never fixed. Love has a different lens at looking at circumstances. I'll give another one that's closer to home for, for you and I. Over the last let's say, eight years as a, as, a, as a pastor, different people have left the church. And that, there's always, all, all relationships, that's, um, there's some pain in saying goodbye. Most of the time it's done in a healthy ways, but occasionally you hear about somebody who has negative things to say about you as a church leader and negative things to say about the church. What's the good result-oriented person think in that? And to be honest, sometimes me. Maybe I'm a failure. Maybe I'm not very good at this. If that's what people think, maybe, maybe I suck. Or we flip it the other way. Who are they to judge? What a bunch of hypocrites. They don't have their life together. Let me point out the things in their life that are busted. This is what good result-focused thinking creates. I'm not trying to claim to be perfect. The battle's in my mind too. These thoughts and ideas come to me as well. The fight for good possibility, for love, is real. I would argue that our fixation with good results and not good possibility causes most of the angst in our relationships and a lot of the stress in our lives. As I, as I look at people's lives and as I spend time with people, losing the battle to good results is very, very significant.
And this is why I say it's radical and confronting, because as a congregation, I'm not pretending that we have mastered this, but I am saying I want to put it front and centre and make this a priority for what we are championing. I don't want us to put love as a nice idea that we pursue when we've got capacity. This is the lens through which every single decision we make needs to be seen. Every single relationship needs to be looked at this way. Because the reality is, I am a work in progress as a pastor. And when I look at the lens of myself, because, again, just opening more scripture that's mind-blowing in this way, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So if loving God is good possibility... It's saying, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm hoping that you do something. Right? Good results oriented says, God, I want this fixed in my life. And if you do it, I'll love you. And if you don't, I'll be angry at you. That's a lot of people think about their relationship with God, but that's not love. Love towards God says, Lord, I, I, I surrender good possibility to you. Right? I'm hoping for good possibility, whatever it looks like. And then it applies to us saying, I love my neighbours, I hope for good possibility for them, like I hope for good possibility for myself. So when I fail as a leader, what is the good possibility perspective? I can learn. Hopefully, I can, I can have some humility to identify my mistakes. Hopefully, someone gives me an opportunity to have another crack. The possibility is that it's not wasted and failure. There is no win or lose. There's just another opportunity. There's an opportunity. What's the opportunity for the person that left and, and is hurt? My, my hope is that they find a community that they can connect with and have value in. And if they or I harbour bitterness, my hope is that there is forgiveness. Jesus says, forgive. How many times do you forgive? 70 times 7. Never rob anyone of their good possibility. Because every time I'm, I have an unforgiveness in my heart, I'm actually saying, I want to tie you and lock you down to the thing that you stuffed up. And that is not freeing people with good possibility. That's not love. The scripture just comes so alive with this radical picture of how our choices and how our decisions and how we look at people with when we understand God's love. So... Let's have a look at Acts 11. Please hear me in this space. And I said this to Jim yesterday too. Church leaders communicate and model good results as much as anybody else. All right? 
We so are used to communicating and living in our worldly ways that even this message puts incentives in there, good results incentives, right? Your life will be better if you understand God's love and if you act in love, right? That's actually a good results mindset, right? Like, I'm, even in my message today, I flavor it with do the right thing and you will get the right response, right? And so I, wanna, I want you to understand, A, how entrenched we are in good results, A, how much we have normalized and feel okay in it, that we can't even identify it when we use it as a tool, but B, I really want you to hear my heart in this space is that this is something that I want us to cover in good possibility. This is not a cause and effect message. This is a let's dream and wonder and hope and step out in faith, trusting God that there is good possibility for us. I want to be a bit careful because I recognize even in my communication that the best way to, it's, it's kind of like saying to a child, do the right thing or you'll be punished, right? And so they do the right thing and they don't do the right thing and they're punished for not doing the right thing and then their motive for doing the right thing is to avoid punishment. You're like, oh, I actually wanted them to learn to do the right thing because it was good but now they're motivated by a wrong motive to do the right thing. Does that make sense? And I don't want us to get trapped today to go, Matt told me that I've got to think like God and I've got to love people like God and my life's going to be better because of that and that's my motive. The hard thing is to get out of this good results mindset and I'm not trying to pretend that that's easy, but I'm, I'm saying let's dream Let's get excited by God's model. Let's, let's believe that it is possible. Um, and then when you and I both stuff it up in 10 minutes time, go, I'm not going to be results oriented. I'm going to believe that there's possibility still here, even in my stuff up. Let's have a look at this. Acts 11, uh, starting at verse 19. Meanwhile... The believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch of Syria. Already, world's picture, bad result. Right? Stephen died, church scattered because of persecution. Good results, terrible. Good possibility, what did they choose to do? They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. So out of this disaster of having to flee for your life, these believers went, what's the good possibility here? Hey, let's tell people about Jesus. Sounds like a good idea. Not results oriented. You notice that? Possibility. 
Let's share the good news. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Their good possibility did turn to good results, but the good results came second. It came out of their perspective of good possibility. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Why? Good possibility. When he arrived, he saw this evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. So fantastic. Barnabas was a good man. Now, how does Luke define good? Because he was a good man. What, what makes him good? Because he had good results. He was a good man because he was full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. He was grounded in good possibility. Faith, hope, love. And many people were brought to the Lord. It wasn't the other way around. Barnabas was a man that brought many people to the Lord. He was good because he brought many people to the Lord and he happened to be full of the spirit and faith. No, no, no. Always possibility first, result second. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Good possibility, yeah? When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Um, apparently the, the crew at Antioch were like Aussies. They had nicknames for everybody. And um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a condemning phrase, but they kept talking about Jesus Christ, Christ all the time. And so they started calling them, well, maybe they're Christians then because they talk about Christ. So that was where the phrase Christians came from. You can thank the, um, the, the crew at Antioch. It wasn't the Christians who gave them the, themselves that name. The, the community called them Christians, so, which was interesting. During this time, some prophets travelled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take them to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So we have four events happening here. And in every circumstance, they all start with good possibility and then move to good results. When we look at this sort of thing through our good results lens, we say, we must preach the gospel to get results, we must go to people and teach them to get good results, and we must share our gifts with people, uh, you know, give money to the poor to look after them. But by having that perspective, we end up trapped with a win-lose scenario that they did not have. Every one of these scenarios that they are in, yes, there were good results, but the good results was the fruit. 
It's almost the side effect of getting the groundwork done right. They said, what do I have to offer? The gospel. I have some good news. So I'll share it. Are they responsible for the results? But God did bring the results. Fantastic. They, they heard of a famine. What have we got? How could we? What's the good possibility here? Let's give what we've got. Is it going to be enough? I don't know. Let's just give what we've got. Let's help because we can. Do they like my cooking? I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm not fixated on the results because that's going to cripple us. But I am going to look through this lens of love, this lens of possibility, and say, imagine if. Imagine if there's a famine and we could contribute. Because you think about it the other way around, and we often get trapped in this space. But what if they don't like my food? What if there's not enough to go around? What if, what if, what if, what if... Let's do nothing. So often we get trapped. And you know, I believe God wants us to experience his freedom, his abundant life, but his abundant life is not a good result. It's a posture. It's a lens. It's an opportunity to say, God, I believe love is the way. I asked you about sharing the gospel before. And we look at this going to a foreign land, even with foreign people that don't think like us, and sharing something that is confronting, sharing something that you may be rejected for. The good results mindset says, that's a stupid idea. The good possibility mindset says, I got nothing to lose. Only good possibilities. I'd love this place to be a place that nurtures, that cultures, that, that encourages good possibility. When a visitor walks into this room, what is the good possibility? Oh, a bit awkward. I might say something stupid and look like a goose. Get rid of that mind of good results. Don't let that consume me. What is the good possibility? The good possibility is I could connect with them. I could know them. They are valued as a human being. They are seen. They're appreciated. They feel belonging. Wow! I've got to let go of my good results mindset and embrace God's way of doing things. This is a battle and I don't expect you to fully even grasp this, I'm still working on it. But I really would love you to believe, love you to have faith and hope in the fact that God's way is transforming lives, continuing to transform ours, and as we embrace it, has a flow-on effect of a radical and confronting and highly desirable opportunity for other people. Yeah. We exist for good possibility. We were created 
for good possibility. I can probably start calling it love now, can't I? Because you've got the idea. (laughs) We were created for love. We were created to reflect love. And I believe God invested in us because he loved us and saw so much potential. Not from a performance point of view, but from a completely free opportunity, which is so, so radical. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I I just have a sense that there's so much stirring in people's hearts and minds right now, Lord God, that there is a wrestle going on with with so many things that are familiar and so many things that, that that sound good but just feel distant right now, Lord God. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your grace and your peace. Lord, I pray that there would be just a real, yeah, just a sense right now, Lord God, just a freedom from works, a freedom from, from uh, just the labor and the mental gymnastics, Lord God. I pray your spirit would just bring an intimacy with you right now, Lord. Lord, I confess so often I can be tasky, I can be black and white, I can be right and wrong. Lord, I just pray just for a release right now. of your love, of your faith, and of your hope into our hearts, Lord God. Lord, I pray for a stirring of this revelation. I pray for a stirring of this radical way that you have turned the world upside down with. I thank you so much that you have shown us so clearly what love looks like. Lord, we resolve to reclaim that today. Lord, we want to be champions of your love. I pray you would help us, give us opportunities to practice, Lord. Give us opportunities to learn and discover. Lord, I pray you'd continually remind us Holy Spirit, we pray that this week you would give us exercise to explore what this might look like in our lives. And Lord, we surrender the good possibility to you. Because you are good, you are the source of good. And you are love, and you are the source of love. And so today, Lord God, we anchor ourselves in you, and we trust you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church. 